Tolstoy! 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 Company! Tolstoy! 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 Company! Tolstoy! Tolstoy! Company! Tolstoy! Tolstoy! Company! Tolstoy! 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 Company! Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the doors. Just imagine if this was that. Imagine if this was the Ed Sullivan show. I've, I've got that. Well, I've got I've got Letterman in the Ed Sullivan theater. That's all I could. I don't really know the Ed Sullivan show, other than Rollerback Show. He says, really big show, but it sounds like you're he's talking about like a really big shoe. Really big shoe, yeah. But, you know, why is he, talk, why is he talking about a, a big shoe? He's, he's pumping up a show. His guests are all clowns. Well, I don't know oh, if I you guess. know, but a little band called The Beatles was on there. Mm. You think The Beatles are clowns? Well, they're famous for their boots, though, the Beatle boots. Perhaps he was referring to the heels, the, the slight Cuban heel, as being really big for the time. Possibly. But who am I talking <laughs> to about this? Who do I, no, you don't know Ed Sullivan. You only know his theatre. Yeah, I do. It was his theatre. He haunted the place. Yeah. him would try and do his shows, and then Ed Sullivan's just up in the rafters. Mm. It's actually just the body they've got strung up there. Right. The body... But but what's in the body? Intestines. Mm, yeah, and like pass and stuff. Yeah, and then you open it up, and then boom, intestines come crawling out mm. all over the show. Letterman was pissed. Actually, imagine an embalmed body up there, stitched up the front, full of confetti for when they have a big sort of ending of a show. They can unzip him and just like pfft, confetti falls out of Ed Sullivan's uh, hollowed out torso. Well, that was Letterman's final show. Ah, right, yes, I missed it. Speaking of final shows, Luke Leonard, welcome <laughs> to the show. Hello. <laughs> now, that's a little thing we do in show business called the introduction. Right, hello. We introduced the, the guest. That was the guy doing the thing with his bracelet, yeah. stealing Eddie Maguire's famous material. Mystery guest up until that point. Yes, I, I am Luke Leonard. Yeah, it could have been anyone. You could have been Ed Sullivan, and that would explain the weird tangent at the beginning. Could have been Eddie Maguire, yeah. based on the material alone. Definitely. Yeah. You think it's a proud day for Collingwood? Do you know, I, I don't uh, know anything about um, football. I've never seen a game. Um, I have no immersion in the culture at all. But, like, the things Eddie Maguire's been in trouble for are the things I assume about football in general. Like just racist, you know, dudes slapping each other on the ass in the shower, essentially. Even the boardroom, they have a shower attached to the boardroom where they can slap each other on the ass as the customary finish to a board meeting. Oh yeah, a lot of repressed homosexuality. Mm, yeah. But if, you know, you have out and proud homosexuality, that's what's wrong. Well, yeah, you don't want to taint the game, do you? Definitely not. No taints. No, no taints. All us. Except on the, like, the footy trip, then you can have some, some taint happening. So, Luke Leonard, when you're not talking about taints, <laughs> you're coming on this show, you talk about taints, what are, what are, what are you an expert in other than taints? Um, That's what we call a question. A question. It ends with the um, the curly... The mark, the dot, yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, right. Uh, what am I an expert in? Uh, nothing. Nothing. I'm an expert in um, generalness. General, okay. I have some good facts about the television series MASH, which I got excited when I listened to the Pete Jones episode. I was like, I, I have some MASH facts. Um, All right, let's do a MASH off. Mash off, okay, great. All right. Um, best, oh, my best two mash facts are Gary Burkoff, who played Radar, has a, a, a slightly like a, a, a birth defect on his hand, and that's why Radar always has a clipboard. He successfully hit it for most of the show, and on occasion you can spot it. 
and it's like um, it, it was a game my brother and I played. It was like Spot Gary Burgos Weird Hand, uh, which is just a, a. Did that make you feel good? It didn't make it. It, it was not about like the hand being weird. More about because my dad also had a weird hand, but it was about spotting something that was someone was trying to get you to not spot. It's like when you see a boom mic in a TV show and you go, "Yes, got it." Um, you know, you hear that, Gary Berghoff? Your hand is a boom mic. <clears throat> yeah, it is. Well, they actually used it as from seasons three through five. They actually used his hand as a boom mic at some in some episodes. But um, that's not even my best mash fact. The best is um, Robert Altman's son. Robert Altman's making the movie of Mash that the TV series was based on, and there's this scene. I don't have all the facts. It's not a TED talk, but it's I've got. And he wanted a, 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 there's a scene where someone sings a little song to cheer someone up and to stop them topping themselves or something. And the character who wrote the song was a teenager, and so he wanted the lyrics to be written by a teenager. So he asked his son, hey, can you write some lyrics? Here's what you've got to get across. You've got to be like, hey, hey, buddy, don't, don't top yourself so much. Like, hey, maybe, maybe not. And um, so he wrote these kind of lyrics. When they came to making the TV series, this is solid gold chat, I've got to say. Um, I know where it's leading. Is when they made the TV series, they used the song, Suicide is Dangerous. Painless. 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 Uh, as the theme song, right? So Robert Altman's son became a bazillionaire based on everyone knowing this song that he wrote the lyrics to. No one even knows the lyrics. It never got used with lyrics in the TV no, series. No, they just used the instrumental. But it was the theme song in every episode, which was syndicated all around the world for many a decade. And uh, rich kids, man. Fuckers. Here's my one mash fact. I'm excited. It was a baby. What was a baby? It was a baby. What was a baby? It was a baby. What was a baby? It was a baby. The show? The the show was a baby. No. Klinger was played by a baby. No. The chicken was a baby. Which chicken? It wasn't a chicken. It was a baby. Which baby? Um, okay. She smothered her own baby. Look, we've all we've all done it. <laughs> you know, you're having a bad day. Um, no, we haven't. That's a horrible thing to say. No, keep going. No, no. Keep no. going. Um, this is my Joe Rogan moment. People will be like, "How can you have this guy on this show? How can you just let him say this stuff unchecked?" Um. <clears throat> well. I say we all. I'm just trying to sound relatable. I've never smothered. Like, neither. I have two babies. Neither of them have been smothered by me. Emotionally well, or physically. <laughs> well, when you're in the grips of the Korean War, buddy. Mm, yeah. And there's war fire going around. That famous war fire. They renamed that as napalm uh, in later years. War fire. Yeah, in the apocalypse now, Robert <laughs> Duvall's like, I love the smell of warfire in the morning. Yeah. Doesn't that sound better? It does. It sounds like a like a power metal band, like someone who would have gigged with Man of War. You know what I mean? It's like that famous book turned movie, The Perks of Being a, a, a Warfire. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very, very famous. <laughs> it's very famous. It's very great. It's not MASH. Most things aren't, though. Now, Luke, have I'm you ever mash. noticed Have you ever noticed that mash is like mashed potatoes? I did. Uh, in my household growing up, we had mashed potato with every meal, except in summer when it was potato salad. And uh, I hated the show Mash based on how much mashed potato I was forced to eat. Uh, for many years, I refused to watch it because I wanted nothing to do with mash. Nothing. Well, that's what the whole show was about. It was. Yeah. They, that's why it, call, it was called that. When they were doing the brain surgeries and stuff in that, it was actually hollowed out watermelons full of mashed potato that they were sort of poking around in. You couldn't get older out of it. No. You was just digging deep in there. Yeah. He loved it. So, comedy. Have you done it? <laughs> I've Yeah, I've done it. I've, I've done it um, a few times. Yeah, I've done it. Uh, not lately. I haven't done it in... I actually, I decided to not do comedy um, uh, when 
it's hard to remember years at the moment because it's 2021. In late 2019, I decided I wasn't going to do a comedy festival show. So I was like, fuck it, I'm going to take a break. And I just did my last, you know, five or six gigs I had booked and then sat down. And, uh, and then no one was allowed to do comedy. And now everyone's doing comedy again. So I, I just, I'm waiting till that mania dies down. I did the same thing with Tarzos in my youth. I waited till the, the Tarzo craze died down a little and I got more Tarzos cheaper, you know. So you're playing the long game with this returning to comedy thing. Yeah, yeah, the Tarzo of, of gigs. Um, yeah. What is the Tarzo of gigs? Well, it's like, you know, there's currently a craise for everyone's like, I need to... All these comedians, they need the gratification. They've got to get on the stage and, and you know, be heard uh, rather than screaming into the, the vacuum of their bedroom they, that they've had to do for the last year. They need to be heard and now they're... they're they're on the stage doing it and I'm just waiting. They're screaming at vacuums yeah. on the stage? Again, we've all done it. Solid. You go with you go with the classics when you start out, especially I think when you need a type five, you you know, that that actually sounds like what you would have done as a type five early on is screaming at a vacuum on stage. Replace a vacuum with a little spandex ball. That's exactly what I did. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't a vacuum though, that's a completely different thing. That's fucked. Right, yeah, it's a bit... Vacuum is meant to clean stuff. You would, yeah, you would get uh, cancelled these days if you screamed at a vacuum. Vacuums have had it, uh, they've had it, they've had it bad for uh, too long. A ball is fine, but not, not a vacuum. No, especially a multicoloured ball, because you don't know what they're supposed to represent, so you just, yeah. you don't care. Like a beach ball kind of thing? Yeah, a little bit like a beach ball, but kind of just like a ball... That you just throw around. But like colour-wise, is it like not? It's multicoloured. But what's the? Is it a, like a grid pattern or, or, or it's like a paisley sort of ball or? It's like patterns. Like think a, of the think of pattern. Think of think of a pattern. Yeah, paisley. Paisley pattern. That's what it was. Right. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Cool. It was. I don't remember. Oh. I remember. I just yelled at, yelled at a ball because I can't write material. Yeah. Right. Fair enough. But I have been trying lately. Do you want to hear it? I'd love it. I'm trying to do more sort of (laughs) observational stuff. Shoot. Okay. Microphones are pretty weird, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Now that's for joke. That's I'm going for I'm going for more of a laughter of recognition. Yeah. Like, oh microphones are weird. I'm like, it saves me having to write a a setup and a punchline. That's too much. I think laughter's passe at this point. Everyone everyone goes for the laugh. It's too easy. It's too easy. What what you want is an audience to like in unison, in a monotone voice, say, I acknowledge this fact or wordplay. Just that. And then you say the next what's your next joke? So, this microphone, right, I was walking down the street, realised I had a microphone in my hand. And that's the more laughter of the kind of absurd image of me just walking down the street with a microphone. I acknowledge this fact or wordplay. See, that's what you're going for with the audience. It's much more, I feel, sophisticated than a laugh. Oh, yeah, because think about what makes people laugh. I mean, farts. Yeah. Silly. It's a silly, it's gross. All you have to do to get a laugh, really, and this is all I've ever done, is you talk about a scenario in which your grandmother appears and then someone in that scenario comes. And then people will laugh because grandmothers and and less so now with the internet, but traditionally grandmothers and, and ejaculate don't go together. Okay. Mm. So with that in mind, I, lo- I want to change some of my material. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> so I was walking down the street the other day, had a microphone in my hand. Mm-hmm. Next thing I know, next thing I know, grandma was across the street. She freaking just squirted so hard. That is the solid twist. So you've set up the, like, I've got this image of you walking down the street with a microphone and then... Boom, you've just pulled the rug out from under me with Nan. Yeah, that's good. That's solid. It really makes you wonder, what was the point at the beginning with me and the microphone? Misdirection. Exactly. Houdini said it first. Well, 
you know, somewhere in the chronology at the very least. Yeah. It's sort of like those Simpsons episodes where the first five minutes are completely unrelated to the rest of the episode. They do a complete ass pull. Yeah. And then it becomes this is the plot now. I've seen this I've seen I haven't seen a lot of The Simpsons or like when I when I watched it it was on TV all the time, like back in the, the olden days. Um like the the um, up to the late nineties, right, basically is the last time I would have watched The Simpsons with any regularity. But I can remember distinctly this one episode where the whole first section was like um like an overview of the town and then there was like Bart writing lines uh, on the chalkboard at school and like then skateboarding down a street and stuff and then like Marge was shopping and Homer was at work and then they all came home more or less simultaneously um, and sat on the couch and that had nothing to do with the rest of the episode. Yeah, it went for five minutes, right? Yeah, it was like they and then they just sat and watched TV uh, for like half a second and um then something funny th- happened when they sat on the couch or whatever but then like yeah. then the whole episode was about um i don't know like a fish with eyes or some shit i don't know yeah so yeah i remember that homer is at the couch they got into the couch he slips on a banana peel mm. next thing you know he's broken his leg he has to go to hospital they're yeah. dealing with the hospital bills at the hospital next thing you know the right. river nearby the hospital has a fish with three eyes, and then that's the plot. Yeah, and then he was unable to work, and so the family sort of descended further and further into into poverty. No, 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 no. They completely ignored him in the hospital. It became all about the three eyes. Oh, yeah. Well, that's... Yeah. That's actually true, isn't it? Is that actually how that episode happened? All I remember is a fish with three eyes. No, there's a fish with three eyes. I don't remember how any of it happened. I just remember there was one. If this was a season 22 episode, that's exactly how it had happened. But no, it's not how it had happened. Right. Someone went, Bleeding Gums Murphy went fishing because he still existed back then and used his saxophone as a hook and caught a weird fish. Probably. I think that's canon. Sure. Yeah. But here's another Simpsons (laughs) fact. Sure. I... It was a baby. It was? Yeah. All right. It wasn't a chicken. Oh. It was a baby. It was a baby for playing the fish with three eyes? Smothered it in right. the back of a bus during yeah. the Korean War. Yeah. And, and then they asked him to get off the bus. Yeah. He said, hey, you can't do that on the bus. Is that what we're doing? Speaking of doing things on a bus... Mm. You've been known to threaten people with your show titles. I've been known to threaten people with my show titles. Yeah, like man up. Yeah. What kind of threat is that? It's uh, it's a yeah, it's an absolute threat. It was no, it's actually um, it's an inversion of uh, you know, in like in Mash or something when an army people are shooting and they go man down. It's the opposite of that. It's like hey, someone's not shot after all, and he's he's fine. He's back up now. Sorry, he just had a whoopsie. And that's what the show was about? Yeah, it was about a guy who'd had a whoopsie, um, but turned out fine. Hmm. Not a lot, not a big plot, I'll admit. It's not not the best plot. But it is a plot. Hmm. And that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah, more or less. For the first 15 minutes, but then the next, the two-thirds of the show become about this freaking fish with three eyes. Well, it's four eyes because I'm I'm a creative. Like I'm not gonna you know plagiarize ideas like that. So I wrote about one that was deaf, had four eyes. Yeah, but they've done everything at this point, so it doesn't matter if you plagiarize them. Mm. They plagiarized shows, themselves so many times. That show was a few years ago though, so we like we hadn't done everything yet. Like I think the point at which we'd done everything was like what mid 2018, shortly after that comedy festival, I think. It was when they, it was in the news. It was like, okay, guys, we've done everything now. Yeah. Not everything. Not everything. Because the 2019 Comedy Festival, I humped <laughs> the blow-up doll I said it was God. And then everything happened. Well, that's, yeah, that was, I think that might have actually been the point at which they, uh, at which they said, all right, that's it, guys. We've done everything. <laughs> they saw that. What, sh- what was that show called? Was that Kentucky Fried God Murder? Yeah, yeah, that was the show. That was the show, and that's a threat. That is <laughs> a threat. 
I was psyched to buy one of your t-shirts and the words God murder weren't on there. And I was like, deal breaker. Yeah, but you got Kentucky Fried Ross Purdy. That's the point. Yeah, I know. But I was, I was like, I was all about the God murder. It's like, Kentucky Fried, that's just a KFC shirt that doesn't breach copyright. Because my face is on there. Yeah. I'm not talking about chicken. I'm talking about me. Yeah. Okay, we're talking about a baby, not it a chicken. Wasn't a chicken. Yeah, it was a baby. <laughs> I'm a baby, not a chicken. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So you threaten people. Hmm. You ever told stories I on do. the live stage, and then you, you use that as a way of threatening people? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I um I tell stories on stage specifically to threaten people. Yeah, it's just like, hey, I see you there. Let me tell you a story about a time I saw someone there and what happened to them, buddy. Like that, yeah. Exactly like that, was it? Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, um... Once I had to tell people about how to make a comedy festival show just to get rid of them, because I didn't like them being in my audience, they kept talking and and cutting in, and I was like, hey, that's really funny. You should do comedy. I was like, you should even, like, like write a whole hour of material and then, like, put heaps of money into into producing that at a, at a fe- comedy festival like this one and then people will pay you to hear that. Like, that's what I've done and it, it works quite well. And then they, they got the point and left. I did actually book... They, it wasn't their fault. They, they came in... They asked me before the show. They were like, you a comedian? I was like, yeah. And they said, tell us a joke. And I told them one of my... Classic, a classic zinger, not mine, just one of those public domain jokes, which is uh, what's ET short for? Because he's got little legs. Okay. Right? Can you please say I acknowledge this fact or wordplay? But, okay, but ET stands for extraterrestrial. Yeah, but. Do you understand that? Yeah. No, what you said just makes no sense. Well, it's a, it's, it's a double meaning. Okay, well, I don't need these double meanings in my life, okay? E.T. stands for extraterrestrial. Yeah, yeah. Have we ever noticed that we call it E.T. the extraterrestrial? Yeah. So we're saying extraterrestrial the extraterrestrial? Does that make sense? Yeah, it's like uh, I went to the ATM automatic telling machine earlier. Don't you always do that? Clarify any... any So is E.T. like an ATM... Can I get money out of him? Yeah. Okay. Well, Spielberg certainly did, eh? Ah, <laughs> oh, but the person didn't get money out of Mac and Me. Wow, Mac and Me. That's a classic. That should that should have been as big as as E.T. Uh, Mac and Me. But it wasn't. I would like to see... Uh, what is the... There's a, a show that happens sometimes somewhere in this neighbourhood that is a where they, they read the script of a movie live and re, redo it. And perhaps, like, I don't know if they do, but I've seen shows where they do that, but also play the, the video in silence and they do live foley. That would be brilliant of Mac and Me. They should do that as Mac and Me. Or even just read the E.T. script over the images of Mac and Me. Is, that, is this an idea brewing? <clears throat> yeah. That's what we, isn't that what we're here to workshop? I thought this was a production meeting. Are we not collaborating? No, this is definitely not a production meeting. I mean, any ideas are your ideas, but... Right. This is what we call podcast. It's kind of like it's a big deal. Mark Maron does it. I thought it was, you were being quite formal with the microphones. Yeah. Uh, for, a, for a production meeting. But I just thought you didn't want to take notes and... Yeah, well, I well, suppose... I've given away my gold idea. Can you, like, edit that bit and just cut that? Because that's a solid gold idea. Would I need to edit this entire podcast? Because I do not want to do that. I don't know. That's... I famously do not edit this podcast. You don't edit it. Okay. Well, just um, I don't. I, well, that's just ruined my business idea. There's my business plan out in the dust now. It's it's done. Everyone, someone's going to copy that. But won't it make you feel good to see the idea come to life and you will have nothing to do with it? The only thing that would make me feel good is, is uh, the ticket sales money 
that's the on, only thing. Okay, but just imagine this person getting all the ticket sales money and you don't get a dime. But you also don't have to work. You don't have to lift an inch of your finger. Right. I don't know. I think I feel like the hard work was done in the ideation. If that's that's not a word. That's a word advertising people use is an ideation. Uh, ideation is definitely a word. It's a very serious word. I don't want you throwing it around. Sorry. I need to read the hotline out now. The hotline number out now. Okay, do it. One three four nine eight nine. If you got any ideation, call that. Okay. Sorry if anyone was, um, you know, alarmed by that in any way. Use of the word. Speaking of ideas, what's this neighbors podcast? You did one of these? The Neighbours podcast. Oh, yeah, that's it, it, Ramsey Street Lane. It's, uh, it's, uh, the, the pilot was recorded in this very room, actually. Uh, this is a, a, the world's slowest release podcast as part of the sort of the slow food movement. Um, we've, we're doing a slow podcast. Uh, so we've released uh, two episodes, uh, and I think we've recorded the first one some number of years ago, like two, maybe three, three years ago, and we've only released two episodes ever. Uh, but it's myself and Matt Hoffman, who is a delight, uh, and we we recount, uh, you know, fan favorite uh, neighbors, the show from the show, the neighbors, um, storylines and and behind the scenes stories. Yeah, it's good. It's fun. Now, let's step back for a moment. Mm -hmm. Let's think about why this didn't work. Look, I think a lot of it's laziness. Okay, you can say that, but I, I want to be blunt with you right now. Shoot. It's not all about neighbours. What do you mean? It's all about home and away. No, it's not. No, you need you need to change the podcast to be about home and away. Oh, we need to change Ramsey Street Lane to be about home and away. Yeah, the Summer Bay Lane. Right, Summer Bay Lane, because it's meant to be like it's like it's a little a little play on Memory Lane, but it's Ramsey Street. Like it doesn't work, and that's the joke. Uh, is that it's, but Summer Bay Lane works even less, which so. So it should know, be funnier. Extension, yeah. It it's it's be, better. Should actually be a definite improvement. Yeah. Uh, Summer Bay Lane. The only thing is, um, look, I'll be honest, is neither Matt nor I have really watched Neighbours, um, except in a brief period in our teens when it was um, Lance and Anne and Billy and a teenage tearaway named Toadie. Uh, and that was that was basically our immersion in Neighbours. It's the only time, a brief period, we've watched it. So we could... We haven't watched some Summer Bay, is that Home and Away? Home and Away. At all. Like, I have more immersion in the theme song for Home and Away than the show. I know there was someone called Pippa on there, uh, and I know how to pronounce Raymar correctly. But that's all I know. So I think that's probably enough for us to do a pod. That would probably make it even better for us to do a podcast about Home and Away. Well, if you're not going to change the podcast to being about Home and Away, I was going to start my own competing podcast. Oh. About Home and Away called Is, Summer Bay Lane. Excuse me, so you seem to have dropped your gauntlet. Yeah. This is actually the pilot episode for that. This is. All right. Um, what was? What's your favorite uh, plot line of, of Home and Away? Well, if that was once this bad boy, right? Mm. His name was... His name was Kane. Kane. Kane's bad. He sounds like someone who would um, who would kill his brother in the Bible. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Kane, like Kane. the Kane that they would slap Classic. you with in Singapore as punishment. Classic villain name, or a Catholic school in the nineties, like or earlier. And the thing was, this Kane was the WWF wrestler Kane. Oh. Before he took, like, his mask off and was just some weird bald freak. I'm talking... Was WW... Was wrestling still F then, not E? Oh, yeah. It was, Kane was in? It was F. It was... This was in the 90s. It's when they still had pandas uh, wrestling. Oh, definitely. They'll have... They'll do these pandas. 
They'll have him do bra and panties matches, which I thought was very demeaning. Well, you know, some of those men have spectacular, like, breast muscles that would fill out a bikini quite nicely, I think. What, the pandas? The men, pandas, all of them. What was the, what was the shit, um, what was, like, in the 80s and 90s, there was, a sh- a, like, a second-tier wrestling that was, like, shit, shitter wrestling, and it had the guy who I loved the most, whose name was Junkyard Dog. And he was like this, this African American dude with all these chains. I think he was like a, like a kind of a cheaper Mister T, basically. He was the the Aldi Mister T, named Junkyard Dog. Do you remember him? <laughs> JYD. So this WCW? Huh? Is this WCW? Maybe I can't remember. It was just like the, I I remember there being wrestling. Right? I didn't bother to learn acronyms. I was just like, oh, there's the one with Hulk Hogan and that. And Rowdy Roddy Piper, which gives you a date stamp because Hulk Hogan's like still doing it in a Zimmer frame, isn't he? Now I, I've not seen it in, in many years. But the, and then there was like a, a second tier, and I remember there was an animated show of Hulk Hogan saving the day, and and Junkyard Dog was in that, but he wasn't like in the proper. He was in like the 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 opening band version of wrestling, if you know what I mean. Sport, support wrestling. Well, it's great that you know all of this because this actually will go well with all the home and away knowledge. I am really happy with how this... this We are firing on all... I was actually worried because I have, you know, obviously performed with you a number of times um, and seen the maelstrom that is Ross Purdy on stage <laughs> at times. And I was worried I wasn't going to be able to keep up, but I seem to have brought you down to my level of, of my low energy monotone level, uh, which is really... Well, it's, a, it's an overpowering energy, the low energy. It's a musk. Yeah, it's, a, it's an energetic musk that I have. Really? Like Elon? Yeah. Elon Musk with yeah. his energy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Tesla of, of uh, speech patterns. Okay, so Kane. Kane. He's a bad boy. He comes bad in. Boy. Yep. Starts uh, dating um, uh, this this uh, this young woman. Mm. Is but it a woman or is it a panda in a bikini? It might have been a panda in a in a bikini. Okay, it's hard to tell sometimes. Just trying to think. So Kang dates her. Kane dates the panda. And what, they go down to Grease Monkeys or down to Lasseter's for a drink? No, they go to the, the cafe, whatever it's called. Grease Monkeys? No. In Erinsborough? No, <laughs> not Erinsborough. Lose Place. They go to Lose Place. Sure, they go to Lose Place. Yeah. And what happens, to, episode. what happens to be on TV? What happens? Vince McMahon. Are they watching Neighbours on Home and Away? It is pretty culturally pervasive. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, they're watching Neighbours. And who was on Neighbours but Vince McMahon? Yeah. He moves into to the Ramsey Street. Into Ramsey Street, Summer Bay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And then what happens? Does he move in with Bobby? That's another name I remember from Home and Away. Bobby. She had dark hair. Yeah, Bobby with the dark hair. They moved in with Vince McMahon. Yeah. Cool. That is, I can see why. That's your favourite plot. Kane dated a girl. Vince McMahon moved in with Bobby. Yeah. yeah. And the girl was a panda. There's no wonder that show is as successful as it, as it is when they're churning out gold like that. Oh, it's great. I mean, you got the home and the away. Home is... Both options covered. And away is Kane and Vince McMahon. They're from away, but then they yeah. come in. Have you seen there's a musical called Come From Away Do you, uh, that's playing in Melbourne at the moment? I think that might actually be a musical ripoff of Home and Away. You reckon? Possibly. We should go see that. Then we talk Possibly. about it on this show. Yeah. Because this show is no longer Ross Freddy Destroys Comedy. It's the Summer Bay Lane show. Yeah. That's good. I think I think you've inspired me. I'm going to start a rival podcast to your rival podcast of my podcast. Yeah, what's that going to be? Uh, I don't know. I think it'll just be called Summer Bay or 
shit, but, but shit be, boy copies of be, a shit boy. But it'll be Bay, like B A E. Yeah. So it'll be Summer Bay. And it'll just be about stuff I love about a show I've never watched. Yeah, well, well Kane. Which is basically what the, what's, what Ramsey Street Lane is, essentially. Yeah. It's, uh, Except the Brits don't know about it. No. No, they don't. They, they the really... Brits love neighbours. No one knows about Ramsey Street Lane. I'm, I'm surprised that you've even you've managed to. Do, have you listened to it? It's, it's. I think it's. This is the main reason we can't keep releasing it with regularities. It's too powerful, and it will destroy podcasting as an art form for everyone. I'm pretty sure I've already accomplished that. Do you think? 55 episodes of just pure, just destructive gold. Yeah. 55. Can I ask, who's, who's your favourite guest you've had? Uh, Entourage. Wrong. Who's your favourite guest you've had? Uh, the boys from Entourage. Who, sorry, Ross, who's your favourite guest you've ever had on your podcast? Last week we had an Entourage Wrong. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Entourage. Was it uh, really Jeremy Piven? Is that his name? Have you ever seen his hairline early compared to now? Oh, it's totally fake. Yeah, it's. it's He's pretty, bald. It was balding as hell on like on Seinfeld or something. It's spectacular. Do you think it's a rug or plug? I think it's both. I think it's a mix. You, well, you don't want to go do a rug on top of plugs because they're very sensitive. You don't want to, you know, pull them out with the friction of the rug. I think he's probably had like that thing where they pull hair out of the nape of your head and, and stitch it into the, the front of your head. I think it's probably that. Probably with a little bit of fibre powder. You know, they shake on the powder. Like a, like Parmesan at Sizzler. They, they shake it on to just sort of fill out the hair a bit. Okay. Yeah. Okay, now I get what you were trying to get me to do earlier. What's that? Okay, so ask me again, who was my favourite guest? Who's your favourite guest you've ever had on your podcast, Ross? The boys from Entourage. Wrong. Jesus, fuck. Is that not what you wanted? <laughs> I thought we were riffing really, really well up until that point. Um, I thought we had got a good lacklustre energy going. I thought we had, you know, there was a dryness about what we were riffing on uh, until that point, and now you've, you've fucked it, essentially. You'd have, like, the... What have I done? You've destroyed comedy, essentially. So, like, job done. Well, well, good. I hope you're proud. Good work. I don't know what I did. I'm just saying, telling just... you who my favourite guests were. All right, let's try it again. Let's try it again. Okay. Hey, Ross, who's the favourite guest you've ever had on your podcast? Uh, you know that one guy... He's, it's like his name begins with L. Hold on. It's L. L. Lloyd, Ari's assistant from Entourage. Oh. Is that what you wanted? That was all I was after the whole time. Okay. Yeah. It's good to know we finally got there. All right. Didn't need to be so conflicted. It's fine. We can edit that out. Oh, no, but I famously did not edit. No. Well, we get... But all I do is edit the Summer Bay Lane podcast. So, folks, when you get up to the point where I first asked that question, just hit the your skip forward 30 button, like, what, 15 to 17 times? I say go backwards mm. and just li- and keep listening to the opening. Og Strokab. That's, that's go backwards, backwards. Like I was, like a, I was uh, what's her name? Um... The, who puts her thing down, flips it, and reverses it? What's her name? Missy Elliott. Yeah, rapper. I was trying. I was like, it's not Missy Higgins. It's certainly not Missy Higgins. No, it was definitely Missy Higgins. It was actually a cover. I would like to see Missy Higgins do Missy Elliott. That would be, you know, I would like to hear Missy Elliott in that accent. Have you seen that Netflix film, The Wrong Missy? It's about that happening, isn't it? It's about, like, someone thinking, is this a Missy Elliott song? No, it was a Missy Higgins song. So a short film, then? Yeah, it's like a two-minute. It's a yeah. short film. It's a, you, you put it in Sundance. Yeah. Late night. Yeah, cool. 
And we record this podcast. It's on my watch list right now. As of now, I'm putting it on. The wrong Missy? Yeah. It's David Spade. And you would understand why he wouldn't know about Missy Higgins, because she's Australian, and David Spade is a culturally uh, insular American. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, David Spade doesn't have any children, does he? No. Do you think it's because uh, David's Spade... Like like you get your cat spayed. What? So it's a, like a, it's like a desexing surgery. Spay S P A Y. Are you suggesting that David's been star spayed? of just just shoot me? Excuse me, I David Spade I, got, went to a vet and said, "Get rid of these. They do nothing for me." I think we can all agree, Grown Ups was a bigger hit than than shoot me. Shoot me. Just shoot me. You got a problem with just shoot me? Just shoot me facts. Dan 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 dan. They went on to do Modern Family. You don't like Modern Families? Um, I've never seen Modern Family. Um, but just shoot me, just shoot me fact. You ready? You ready for another? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Another TV sitcom fact. It was a baby. When uh John Howard was obsessed with stopping the boats, um, uh, and a boat came through, and there were all these. Refugees who'd, who'd been escaping, um, uh, you know, war-torn regions of the world. Channel 10, I believe it was, who had the, the show Just Shoot Me, which was about a fashion magazine, sent, uh, as a goodwill gesture, sent like a box of promotional pencils with the words Just Shoot Me written on them to to the immigrants to cheer them up, which is, I think... That's a hundred percent fact, and uh, I think that's a pretty astronomical faux pas. But wouldn't if you were came from a war torn country and you got pencils uh, that were promotional tools for a great sitcom mm. with Finch, yeah, Nina Van Horn, Phil Hartman as the, as Maya. the newsreader. Okay, that's a different show. Oh, they had the same set though, didn't they? They had the same like. You know, like in the same way that like um, Full House and Family Matters had the same set, like door, front door on the left, lounge room, then kitchen on the right, stairs going up in the lounge room. They had the same, like they had the same office set, I'm sure, like a very similar layout. That's why I'm confusing them. I blame, I blame the gaffer and the, the set designers for my mistaking those two. Mm, definitely. I've refused to take responsibility for that. Yeah, the Herman Hawaii neighbors actually have the same sets. They do. Did you know that? No. And Mash and the Simpsons also have the same sets, which is crazy when you consider one's live action and the other's it animated. Seems, yeah, it seems like you would animate the sets for the Simpsons, but like that's all. It was I'm all not, rotoscope. I'm not Hollywood. I'm not a Hollywood person, but like that's what I, I would animate it. They filmed it and then they just draw over it. They rotoscoped it. Right. Like everyone in The Simpsons, every character... Is a real person. ...is played by uh, Andy Serkis and voiced by Hank Azaria. Yes, even in the non-white ones. Yeah, especially... especially. I watched Pretty Woman the other night and um, Hank Azaria pops up in a tiny role in the opening scene when Julia Roberts, or J-Ro, as she's known like in the industry, um, she sees... um, Classic, classic rom-com opening. She sees a, uh, a dead sex worker in an alleyway. Um, it's how all rom-coms open. Mm. And, uh, and the policeman asking people to, you know, back off and stuff is played by Hank Azaria. It's like a, about as big a role as Van Damme had in Breakdance. But it's like a pre-fame Hank Azaria. He has like two lines maybe. Yeah. Do you remember those lines? Uh, Do them now. I think... I don't remember the lines, but I'm willing to... I'll place a wager if you're willing to take a... a, a I'll bet on what they... One of them... One of them definitely used a word we, we wouldn't use these days. All through that show, that the movie, um, and in fact the television series Rake, which I've recently been watching, they just love the word... Cover your ears, folks. Uh, okay, yep. Prostitute. They use that, and that's not a word we use anymore. Um, there's a lot of things in Pretty Woman we don't 
do anymore. It's a it's a very it's alarmingly problematic for a song with Roxette ballad on the soundtrack. Um, but also Maya from Just Shoot Me mm-hmm. was Julia Roberts's friend in real life in that movie. Oh my God, she is! Boom! You didn't even think of that, Fuck. did you? We've gone full circle. That is amazing. That is wild. Actually, before she was the pretty woman, Julia Roberts uh, worked at that fashion magazine that Just Shoot Me was on. Right. It's the connected universe. It's the Levitan Gary Marshall you know, connected universe. Who else in Just Shoot Me? The photographer, Elliot, who's a bald man. Um, he uh, is... I've seen him in heaps of movies, and he generally plays an asshole. I saw him once play a monk who are famously, you know, across all religions, monks are assholes. Uh, but he, he generally plays an asshole in show in movies, I believe. In, in in my experience anyway. Whenever I go, oh that's Elliot from Just Shoot Me. Um remember he was like the ladies' man photographer. Yeah. Oh, huge asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Kristen Bell's dad. Is he? Did you know that? He is. Am I mistaking his filmography for his real life? Maybe, but that's the one joke I have on this show. Right. And that's hilarious. Speaking of hilarious things, top five hilarious things to end this, end this show on. Go. Top five hilarious things from the show or in general in life? In general, life. All right. Teach us. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, I, I can't do the chronological order because I'm thinking of number one first, right? Sure. Number one thing that never fails to get me to laugh, no matter what misery my life is throwing at me, is seeing someone run and then narrowly miss catching a bus. That is hilarious. It's, and the run slows down as the hand drops and the chin drops to the chest and they go... <sighs> that whole day's ruined. Yeah, it's the best. Their like, schedule's behind. It's hilarious. Boss has been chewing them out for being late all the time, or whatever. They've got it. They're trying to get to the airport to tell her, "Don't fly away. I love you." They're trying to get to the chapel to, to interrupt the wedding and go, "I object," and they miss the bus. It's the best. I love it so much, and it's only because I find it relatable. It's not entirely mean spirited. I find it relatable. I too have missed buses. Um, other hilarious things, uh, oh, um, that's it. That's the only thing I enjoy. So just about one thing five times? Well, uh, can I actually, you know, I want to say something nice about you as one of my five things. What? Because once we did a gig at Lentil as Anything, which is a... Uh, a room I loved because n- it was a non-consenting audience. Like, everyone was there to buy uh, dinner that they were not going to pay a legitimate price for. Uh, it was in the Abbotsford Convent one. And for a while there, uh, Simon Hughes, who runs some killer nights, ran <laughs> this open mic there and was the best-paying open mic in town because he got free dinner. And... Um, at the you know and uh, but no one there was to, there to see comedy. Everyone was there because their rent was due and they were going <laughs> to get some lentils for cheap. And uh, lentils don't need to be any cheaper, mind you. Like they're they're a cheap food. But anyway, um, and um, and then we we're all sat there at our table eating lentils before going on stage, and we got given the, the you know the lineup got solidified, and you were on right before me, and I was like. This audience could not be less on board. There's clattering of, of plates and, and half the people are talking. They're there with their friend. They're catching up for a cheap dinner. And you've got to really, like, fight people for their attention uh, at, this, at this gig. And so everyone's getting up and just kind of, like, really struggling to get more than two titters out of, out of anyone. And I'm like, this is not looking fucking good. And then I also look at you, and you did not have a bag of tricks. You know, I've seen you with oranges and with loaves of bread, and and th- you didn't, yeah, that's the bag. You didn't have a swirly ball, swirl multicolored ball. Um, 
and I was like, oh my fucking God, like Ross doesn't even have a loaf of bread. Uh, I'm like, he's on before me. And you, you know, I think you would agree that you're, you could, you can be divisive. You can divide an audience as to... I don't know. I think I'm very accessible and observational and relatable. Yeah. Hey, I noticed something. That's the joke. The microphone. Um, yeah. No, just... Do you ever notice things? Um, but the... Um, and so I was a bit like, fuck, I'm going to go up there and eat shit because no one's getting any laughs at all. And Ross doesn't even have, like, a, some mouldering bread with him or anything. And then... You went up there with no stuff and this whole room of people stopped eating, uh, not out of anger either. They were just like straight on board with you and you fucking, you led them in some sort of weird, it was like you were leading an insurrection or something. You got them all on board with some ridiculous idea that was wonderful and, um, yeah, we should storm the Capitol Hill. They're taking away our democracy, right? Oh, is th- I think that is it. Was is that, that was that legitimately it? Yeah, I was okay to the curve on that. Yes. Like, is that actually what you did? Is that a bit you did? It was something like that. It was like trying to stir up some sort of uh, indignation about about something. I can't remember what it was. But you fucking smashed the shit out of it. And I was just like, oh, my God, that was amazing. And then I went on and got, like, you know, less, many less laughs than you, but more than I was going to before that because no one in that fucking room was on board. They just wanted some some dal, really. Yeah, what they really wanted you is just trying to get into stormed Capitol Hill in the U.S. Yeah, well... Real's real now. I don't remember shit. Um, I don't remember anything. It was something. Oh, I can't remember what it was. It was like, it was a ridiculous, it was a ridiculous plan or concept. You were railing against some injustice that wasn't really an injustice. Uh, Sounds about right. And but... you got people on board, uh, which was like, it was, it was a monumental task getting people to pay attention at all in that room. And then you also got them on board with an idea that was batshit and just, like terrible. It was a terrible idea, whatever it was. Well, it was, it was like so. It was double hobbling. During that era, I feel like a lot of people just thought, "Who's this mentally ill homeless man on stage?" Right. Maybe it's the venue for you. Really, it's essentially a soup kitchen, isn't it? Yeah, pretty Maybe much. That's it. Maybe that's your for overprivileged. I assume you've been to Golio. Uh, maybe that's your clown. I'm famously not a clown. <laughs> a, ba- a, a chicken clown? It's not a baby. No, it was a clown baby, not a oh. clown chicken. Fuck. Fucked it up. Luke. Ross. What have you learned on this comedy journey? Uh, I've learned definitely that it was a... Uh, one thing I've learned above all else was that it was a baby, not a chicken. Um, Good advice to have. And I've learned that Mora, Mora, was that her name? Mora? Mora, Maya. 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 Maya in in, uh, Just Shoot Me was J. Rose's uh, best friend slash, uh, you know, J. Rose was the the Obi-Wan to her Qui-Gon in Pretty Woman. Yeah. which is the... Wasn't her client at near the end Jason Alexander, who was a piece of shit? No, Jason Alexander was Richard Gere's lawyer throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And then... Um, Someone. And then trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warning, and spoiler alert. Um, he basically, like, goes, oh, you're a hooker, and then tries to, um, to put it delicately... Uh, force himself upon her in a, in a sexual manner. And she's like, stop, get off me, stop. And it's like, whoa, the classic mainstream rom-com fodder right here going on. Classic kind of ending to a rom-com. And then Richard Gere comes in and just sort of drags him off her and punches Costanza in the face and sort of throws him out. And, the, and Costanza's like, yeah, I've been with you for years. And he's like, I made you rich, shut up. But... 
There's no mention of like uh, calling the police uh, for what is, you know, could only be termed as, you know, an attempted sexual assault. And he doesn't even say he fires him as his lawyer. <laughs> he doesn't even say, I won't be needing your services anymore. He just goes, you know, get out of here. Off you go. Uh, uh, escape the law now. You disgust me. Run away from the law. <laughs> Crazy. Well, that's how they still do it now. Gary Marshall was just holding up a mirror to society. Gary, Who's Gary Marshall? The director. Of Pretty Woman? Yes. Holy fuck. How do you know that? Well, he's famously the creator of Happy Days. Is he? And he went on to direct and a bunch of rom-coms. And therefore Mork and Mindy. Yes, yeah, a whole bunch of other spin-offs. And he went on to start directing those rom-coms you saw going everywhere. Pretty Woman. Uh, Average Looking Woman. Yeah, um... Pretty good-looking woman. Uh, hot man is my favourite. Hot. I, I thought that was pronounced Hotman. So no. Hotman. Hot man. Oh. I'm going to start calling Matthew Hoffman Matthew Hotman. You should do that. I think I will. Two T's, one N. Hotman. Luke Leonard, do you have anything to plug? Uh, I have nothing to plug. Listen to Ramsey Street Lane. Both episodes are a delight. Uh, the first one, we go into the, the scandal of Bouncer, the dog, when, when um, it became apparent that the dog, the beloved Labrador Bouncer, had for the last year been played by a man with socks on his ears. Uh, that was, that's episode one. And the second episode is about... Uh, I don't even know. Oh, no, the second episode is about what happened when Harold went missing. The character of Harold went missing and then reappeared years later. And the story was that he'd had amnesia which is, a, I think you'll agree, a very creative plot for a soap opera, Amnesia. They never bring that in. And, um, but what had actually happened, the reason they were able to come up with something so creative was that Ian Smith, the actor who played Harold, had actually had Amnesia and forgotten how to play Harold, and then he'd remembered. So it's, a, it's an interesting look at the behind the scenes. Have a listen to that. I don't know. I didn't give a fuck about any, anything else. Like, I, I don't have anything to plug. And then Summer Bay Lane. Summer Bay Lane, listen to that. Yeah. Um, I might be starting up Late Night Storytelling at a Reasonable Hour again soon. You can find that on Facebook, Late Night Storytelling at a Reasonable Hour. I don't know what time it's going to be on. Uh, but At a reasonable hour, though. I, the good thing about that is you can say anything's reasonable. 2 a.m.'s pretty reasonable. Yeah, well, I People it, working the night shift or something. During Comedy Fest, I had it at 11, 10 or 11 o'clock or something, and I said it was at a reasonable hour because I'd called it late-night storytelling. So anything's reasonable if you say that. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's not, to, it's not 4 a.m. I mean, it's better than that, right? But even that, if you, as long as it's called late-night storytelling, 4 a.m.'s reasonable. I warned you in the first, first two words of the title. Late-night. You've been warned. Yeah. Thank and you for having me. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. And Summer Bay Lane will be a big hit. Summer Bay Lane, yeah. It's actually about a swimming lane in, in the bay. In the bay. Hmm. And i got something I want to plug just before we leave. Oh, yeah? I actually am doing a comedy festival show. I'm doing two comedy festival shows. Do like a madman. What are what are your two comedy festival shows? Well, I'd love to hear about. Them. I got a solo show called Rainbow Piss. Rainbow Piss. Okay, and what's what's it's that a about? theater. It's 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 theater. It's sketch show. It's wild. It's it's wacky. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I I I become the Kanye West of comedy, so to speak. Right. And I, I sell people a new lifestyle. You right in that show, or yeah. do you mean in real life? Oh, both. All right. Okay. Have you ever? Um, I once got very, very drunk many years ago um, and uh, woke up the next morning very hungover and did a cheeky shower wee and nearly hit the roof because I thought I'd given myself internal bleeding because my piss was, was red. It was like a dark red um, until I remembered that um, while very drunk, I had binged on roast uh, beetroot before bed. My, that's my rainbow piss anecdote. It's not a rainbow, but it was, it was a new color for me. Rainbow piss. So that sounds fun. Yeah, go on. And then the next next show, that's on Fridays and Saturdays, 
for at the festival is a late night show called Late Night Party Boys Gone Postal Variety Show and Friends. Me, Damien Vosk, we're the late night party boys. We don't do late night storytelling. Right. We're doing a late night show. It's a showcase show. We have a bunch of acts on. We're wild, weird people coming up, doing wild, weird things. Have you got like the two little dickheads, that kind of gang? Yeah, those those people, they're on. And it's like... They're lovely, those people. Oh, definitely. But they're not little dickheads. Well, I think they are. They're two of them. Yeah, I think they're little dickheads. Like their their show is very is is rife with dickheadery, but but they're lovely. I love dickheads. Is that what you're gonna end this podcast with? I love dickheads. Ross Purdy, Ross Dwight Comedy.